1: Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm very delighted that you've decided to spend your Saturday morning with us. Or if you're listening online, on on the podcast, maybe it's uh, Monday night or Wednesday afternoon, I don't know. But of course, here in Cleveland, Georgia, WRWH 93.9 FM, your hometown radio this is Saturday morning and we've got a lot to talk about today of course today is the last Saturday of this month and it's already over June is already over I can't believe this month is already gone summer is officially here so says the calendar but of course we have been dealing with a lot of summer like weather for the past few weeks You know, our springs here in Northeast Georgia, they're getting shorter. Our summers are taking over the majority of our springs and falls, are they not? It seems like the uh, heat comes sooner and the heat stays longer. But you know what that means? That just means we have a longer growing season and can enjoy these warm days and warm nights and grow, 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 grow everything we can. So. As we go into summer, last week we talked about watering wisely. And I gave you a lot of tips on how to make sure you keep either your container plants, your newly installed plants from spring, and of course, established plants. How to keep them all watered so that you're not overwatering, but of course, not letting those plants die from thirst. So if you missed any part of that program, or maybe the entire thing, Well, check us out online at newsoutherngarden.com where you can find every episode that we've ever had. And if you have a smartphone or some smart device, then you can find New Southern Garden as a podcast on the podcasting apps. Just search for New Southern Garden and we will be there. And of course, some other ways to get in touch with us, especially if you're looking to ask a question. Because, folks, I know as summer gets here, guess what? We've got more bug problems, we've got more disease problems. We've got more plant problems in general, and of course, New Southern Garden wants to be your ultimate and, uh, let's see, what's the word? Chosen, your chosen source of information about your gardens and landscape, and you can send us those questions on Facebook and Instagram, and of course, you can always send us a message at NewSouthernGarden.com, but... You have already done that. Many of you have already sent in questions, and we're going to get to as many as we can today. Uh, of course, with me being a bit long-winded, it may it may, <laughs> may be fewer than I'd hope. So with that in mind, there's a lot of things that uh, you have asked about, and we're going to talk through, helping you, hopefully, giving you the things you need uh, to make sure that you're growing and growing well. Folks, I don't know what to say about what's coming up this summer. I haven't looked at the... The forecast, I haven't checked the almanac. My philosophy is to take it one day at a time. If somebody asks, it's raining, I didn't know it was supposed to rain. I say, well, it is. It is raining. So I guess it was meant to rain. Uh, or if the weatherman says, no, no chance of rain and it does rain, who are you going to blame? Who are you going to blame? I mean, meteorology is the only profession that I know of, maybe other than politics, where you can be wrong 100% of the time and continue to get a paycheck. So uh, with that in mind, let's just take it one day at a time. But knowing and embracing the fact that we may have a drought, we may go into a period of very uh, dry and hot weather, that is pretty much assured. Now, we've had some nice rain. We've had some nice rain, and and maybe every week, at the end of the week, I should look back at what has actually fallen and give you a rainfall update, Uh, but I haven't done that research today. So, you know, this past week, of course, we've had some storms, we've had some showers, and it's nice. It's nice if we get one good slow rain for at least a couple of hours, you know. That would give your plants enough water to make it through that week because, remember, all plants need about an inch of water a week. And, of course, we talked all about that on last week's show, so definitely check that out online at NewSouthernGarden.com. But it's summer. It's summer. And what better time to, um, uh, to, to, to take... Than these long growing periods we have to answer your questions and uh, get you going. So on today's program, we do go into our mailbag and we're checking your questions. And I suggest we jump right into it. So we've got a uh, message from Shane. I'm not sure where he's uh, growing at, where he's from. But he sent us a message here talking about he enjoys the podcast. We appreciate that, enjoys the show. And his question is about Japanese Pieris. Japanese Pieris. And I will describe Japanese Pieris after I read his question. Uh, But he's got three Japanese Pieris. He's got three different varieties. One is called Valley Rose, one is called Valley Valentine, and one is called Mountain Fire, which I'm very familiar with Mountain Fire. They're all doing well, and he's planted them in the same areas with his azaleas because both azaleas and um, pieris do generally like the same condition, same sun exposure, same soil pH, same soil type, and he's made sure uh, that they're all enjoying those conditions. But the question is about the pieris that is called Valley Valentine. Valley Valentine. He says it's the second season that he's had the plant. It hasn't bloomed yet. After two seasons, it hasn't bloomed yet. Now, he bought it. Maybe this is where he went wrong. He bought it at a big box store. Oh, no. (laughs) But it was on their clearance item, but it was in good health. Maybe next time, Shane, just go down to your local plant nursery. Now, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, Plants are plants. But, okay, so they, uh, let's see, when he bought them, there were some old blooms on the stems. So it had bloomed earlier that year. Uh, But summer and fall, never tried to regrow blooms uh, or, or, or the stems in order to bloom. And again, this year did the same thing. Now, his other two have bloomed, uh, so they've dropped their blooms, and they've started to grow new stems uh, that will produce flowers next winter and early spring. It did get some frost damage, but he says that, you know, that was uh, in, see, some new growth in March has helped to recover, so it's recovering nicely from frost damage. And it's growing, it's vibrant, but doesn't appear to be going to bloom for next year. He has deadheaded some of the uh, original blossoms that were on the plant, even though it may not be necessary. It was fertilized. The pH is between five and six, which should be fine. Uh, he's not sure what's wrong. Any suggestions? So, Shane has Japanese pieris. Now, this Japanese pieris is a great evergreen shrub. It keeps its leaves all year. Uh, they're they're sort of strap-like, kind of like the leaves of a. I mean, they're not quite strappy. I, well, they're 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 not big like a hydrangea. Uh, So they've got a smaller or finer texture, which is nice, but they're not frilly like a fern either. So sort of a a medium texture leaf, dark green. Now, many of the selections he has, the new growth will be vibrant red like the fire mountain um, or mountain fire. Sorry, Uh, the new growth will be red and sometimes you have bronze new foliage. So very attractive plant as far as the leaves go. But then the blossoms are amazing. And there's, it's not just the blossoms themselves, folks, on a Japanese pieris. It's also the time of year that they bloom. Okay, they're not quite spring bloomers, but we may consider them winter bloomers, but definitely late winter bloomers. So they may bloom somewhere between February and into March. It's very, sometimes in January, if, if it is uh, warm enough and things are nice. But they are considered a winter bloomer. So other than beautiful evergreen foliage with Japanese pieris, you are getting a uh, winter blossom about the time of Japanese camellia. So if you've got Japanese camellias, you need to consider planting this Japanese pieris. Now folks, right now, this time of year, they're just green shrubs. But it's a good time to think about what you're going to install to have longer blooming seasons. In Japanese, Pieris fits the bill because it blooms probably about the time, maybe a little bit before uh, Yellow Bell or Forsythia. And, of course, Forsythia drops its leaves, but this one is evergreen. All right, so that is when they bloom, but how they bloom is a beautiful plume of bell-shaped white flowers. Some of them, like the one he's referring to here, Shane has the Valley Valentine. is a rich red, very dark pink, if you want to call it that. But usually in the pinks, usually in the whites, And they are bell-shaped flowers, a lot like, a lot like blueberries. A little smaller than blueberries, but they're clustered together. So you get large clusters of small, white, or pinkish uh, variety of shades there. Uh, Small groupings of large, uh, large groupings of small flowers. That's what I was trying to get out. Large groupings of small flowers, and they're beautiful. Again, great for late winter when, you know, not much else is blooming. But, of course, now Shane has this problem that we have planted these beautiful plants. There's three. Two of them are blooming and performing wonderfully as far as blossoms go. But one of them is underperforming and has not in the past two seasons produced blossoms. Now, he does mention his message uh, that I briefly read there that originally this plant, when it was in a pot, obviously had blossoms. But for the past two years, it hasn't. Since he has planted it, it hasn't bloomed. So we're going to try to help Shane get some ideas as far as what may be going on. So I've got five points here that I think you may be able to investigate, because from what little information we have here, which is is quite detailed, but uh, we still may just have to deduce down to one of these, or maybe a couple uh, if we need to. But the first thing about Pieris that we all need to know and understand is that Pieris blooms on old wood. Now, we've talked about old wood bloomers, and we've talked about new wood bloomers on the show before. So, if you need to find more details about that, of course, check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com for every episode that we've ever had. But to summarize old and new wood bloomers, old wood bloomers bloom on the wood that was produced last year. Okay, so when these babies bloom in February or March they haven't had time to put out new wood to bloom on. No, they're blooming on the wood that was produced from last year. So when the Pieris bloomed in, say, February or March of this year, they were blooming on wood that was produced in 2020, right? So because they bloom on old wood, we got to make sure that we prune them right after they bloom, and then they will produce new shoots and new flower buds ideally, for the rest of this year to then bloom on next year. It doesn't sound like Shane did this, but if you cut back uh, plants that bloom on old wood, then what's going to happen is you're cutting off their blossoms. So I don't think that Shane has done this by any means. He doesn't mention that. But of course, because it is an old wood bloomer, we've got to be sure that we're pruning them right after they bloom and don't touch them until... They bloom next time, next year. Now, new wood bloomers are easy. One of the ones that's blooming right now is the panic, uh, sorry, the panicled hydrangeas. Panicled hydrangeas are hydrangea paniculata. Some people have limelight, which is a hydrangea paniculata. Uh, Some people may have pinky winky. There's a bunch of them. But they bloom on new wood. So they're blooming right now, which means you could prune them in the spring without any scare of chopping off their blossoms. Now, most roses bloom on new wood, so you can prune them in the spring or late winter, and they will bloom this summer, but not with pieris. You cannot uh, prune pieris before it blooms and still have blossoms. You have to prune the old wood bloomers after they bloom. Which would be anytime after for Pieris, anytime after a few, you know, March and April. You could do it in 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 um, early spring, after they bloomed. Now the second thing that we may consider is, you know, Shane, you planted it a couple of seasons ago. And it could be that the plant is not producing blossoms because it's still getting established. It's very possible. So here we are in the second year, but we say it takes about three years for a plant to really get established and just take off crazy. We say that first year you plant it, it sleeps. It appears like it's not doing much. You know, it may put out a few leaves, may try to bloom, maybe not. The second year after they sleep, they're creeping. We say the plant creeps. And it's growing more, but still maybe not blooming. And by year three, we say it leaps. And by year three, the roots are fully established. The leaves are growing like crazy. And boom, you've got a beautiful plant that is finally established. So year one, sleep. Year two, creep. Year three, leap. Sleep, creep, leap. And it may take about three years to get any plant established and to its maximum potential. So with that being said, your plant may just be trying to build its root system even more uh, maybe unable to bloom it's just focused on root system growth establishing itself it's very possible well i've still got some more ideas for shane and his not blooming pieris problem when we get back from this quick break hang on tight game Well, gang, this morning we are answering your questions here on our Q&A week on New Southern Garden. And before we went to break, we were talking, uh, answering a question from Shane, who has a uh, problem with his Japanese Pieris. Now, just to summarize really quick, Japanese pieris blooms in late winter. So the question is, why are we even taking the time to talk about a plant that blooms not in the summer, but in late winter? Well, because with some plants, it is very important uh, to think about them in the off season. And with anything that blooms in late winter, it is very important and crucial to make sure that those plants are being taken care of now so they perform very well in late winter. Because when late winter gets here, if something is wrong or something inappropriate has been done, you probably won't get blossoms. And that is the case with Shane. I don't think he's done anything wrong. I think we just have to wait and and have some time on this particular plant. But in the case of Pieris, um, if the plant is not vigorous over summer, then that will show, uh, that will definitely show when it tries to bloom, even if it does in late winter. Same with like forsythia or hydrangeas. Like right now, folks, your hydrangeas are blooming, but as soon as they get done blooming, now I'm talking about the big leaf hydrangeas, the blue and pink ones, right? You gotta do some things to them after they bloom in order to make sure they bloom well next year. Fertilize them, trim them uh, right after they bloom, because if you do any pruning on them in the late winter or spring, well, then you have cut off the blossoms. And so they've got to grow. Anything that blooms on old woods, such as this Pieris, this Japanese Pieris, we've got to make sure that we are feeding it well and encouraging it to grow now because now they are setting the buds or they're setting the wood, growing the wood that will bloom at the appropriate time uh, in, say, early spring, late winter, that kind of time frame. So with that being said, we left off talking about uh, Shane's Uh, pieris plants that a second possibility could be that the plant is still establishing itself it may be sleeping for that first year it may creep this year as far as growth because he says the plant is healthy it's looking good it's putting out new leaves which is always a good sign and the third thing or the third year this plants in the ground we say it would leap so most plants that are planted they sleep They creep and they leap in the course of three years. So it could just be timing, Shane, that you haven't, that the plant hasn't had enough time to establish its roots to get going. But that's okay. I think that it will bloom uh, quite soon, if not this year, perhaps the next one. But the third possibility or third thing you could try is to encourage it with more fertilizer. Now, you do mention that it's been fertilized like the others. Um, But I will say that make sure the fertilizer you're using is higher in phosphorus and potassium. And if the foliage looks fine, uh, keep the nitrogen a little bit lower. Don't Don't withhold it from nitrogen because that nitrogen helps to build the leaves. But if you have healthy leaves coming on, then it's probably fine. But see, phosphorus and potassium directly affect the growth of the root system and flowering. So in order, so making sure they have plenty of phosphorus and plenty of potassium is ideal. Now, you may be fertilizing it the same as the other ones, but getting a different result. But it's, that happens a lot of time. It's sort of this randomness of nature. Uh, It could be that the soil that is, you know, four or five feet away from the other plants is completely different. So do keep in mind that even though plants are in the general vicinity of each other, The soil could be very different from one foot or two feet away from any spot in your landscape. Soil can be very variable and can be uh, very different just a few meters away, just a few feet away, maybe even inches. So if you're fertilizing, Shane, be sure you're fertilizing with maybe higher phosphorus, higher potassium, less nitrogen. Now the fourth possibility, the fourth possibility. Japanese pieris is known to be a shade plant. Very shade tolerant and they don't necessarily like the full sun. So it sounds like they're planted with your azaleas. They are probably growing under some trees, maybe some high canopy from certain things. That's wonderful. That's great. But the question I have would be, is that one, is that one getting enough sun? Because even though it is a shade plant, you could give it four or five hours of direct sunlight. And that would be probably ideal for pieris. Because, folks, sun is what helps plants to generate enough energy to bloom and bloom well. So if something is not blooming uh, and it's in dense shade, that is, could be one of the factors. If it's under some trees, maybe you can limb some trees up to get a little higher or maybe even relocate it into another place. Now, that does mean damaging the root system and having to uh, reestablish the plant. But for the long haul, it would be better uh, for it to have maybe four to five hours of direct sunlight. I don't just mean dappled, but pieris generally does well in dappled shade as well, but they may not bloom as much. And so you've got to keep that in mind uh, that the amount of sun it gets can directly affect, directly affects the amount of blossoms you will have. Now, not all plants can grow in the full sun, and I don't ever recommend to put Pieris in full sun. But if you have, like I said, maybe up to six, but definitely five or four hours of sun, it should be enough uh, to give it uh, a go. Because Pieris is a great plant for morning sun, afternoon shade. That would be the northern or eastern sides of your house. Maybe you have a shady front yard, uh, front garden, I should say. (laughs) Then that plant, Japanese Pieris, would be ideal in a situation uh, such as that. Now, the last option that I could come up with as far as thinking through this question on why Shane has two blooming Pieris but one of them just seems to refuse to bloom would be (laughs) a hormonal imbalance. Yes, that's right, folks, just like humans can become imbalanced in the hormonal areas. Well, plants can too. Plants have um, hormones, just like humans. Uh, usually there's there's the big five, uh, which we're not talking about all of them, but one of the hormones that directly affects the amount of bloom set would be called cytokinin. Cytokinin, it's a naturally occurring uh, chemistry or protein or whatever it really is that's inside of all plants have cytokinin and they produce it on their own just like we produce the hormones in our body but sometimes sometimes those plants may not be producing enough they may not be producing enough hormone to stimulate this kind of blossom set that you and I desire our plants to have there is a solution that you can encourage it's sort of sort of a prescription I guess except you can buy it over the counter You can buy um, cytokinin in spray cans that you just spray onto the leaves and foliage. There is one that's produced by Bonide, of course, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. We carry Bonide's Blossom Set, and it's simple. It's a small spray bottle, kind of like a... Oh, kind of like the, uh, not the aerosol cans, but like a a pump sprayer, like you may get hairspray in or something. And you can literally just spray the foliage with a cytokinin. It is not really, you know, like a a herbicide. It's not like an insecticide. It's completely different than all those chemistries. It is a plant hormone. And when you spray that on the foliage, it goes into the leaves and it triggers the plant to produce blossoms to set buds that will bloom so i would encourage you maybe to try that it's not going to hurt the plant by any means uh, but if you have any plants uh, maybe tomato plants. If you notice some of your tomatoes are beautiful plants, but they just don't have, uh, they just don't have blossoms on them, which of course uh, produce tomatoes. You can try cytokinin or uh, Bonide's Blossom Set product. I think it's called Blossom and Bloom Set or something like that. But regardless, it's simple. You just spray it on. Now. Shane I don't say give up on it it sounds like a beautiful plant regardless it's not it's it's being stubborn it's not blooming Uh, but I think probably out of all these options uh, you know you're probably pruning it just right if you prune it too early you won't have the blooms I think that I think you're doing everything right I think you're feeding it probably well enough even though you may try phosphorus and potassium maybe it needs a little more sun that could be a concern uh, when you're growing things in the shade it's possible Maybe give it some hormone boost, whatever. But I think that if you just continue to love this plant, continue to treat it the same way that you have been, I think you may be treated in response with some nice blossoms either this coming late winter or surely by the next. Because by then, your plant will have been in the ground for four years, almost five. Well, thanks, Shane, for your question about Japanese Pierce. When we get back, pass along plants. We're going to talk about pass along plants. Hang on tight, gang stories
0: told come to life nathan wilson's new southern garden show is on the air your host nathan wilson with lanier nursery and gardens in flowery branch georgia is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener homeowner and apartment dweller can use from vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now, here's Nathan.
1: Well, gang, today we are solving your garden problems, answering your plant questions. Because all month long, you have sent in questions, and we, we answer, I answer as many as I can. Uh, we do try to send out a, a message to you if we can't get it on the show, just because, you know, we're limited for time. But with that in mind, that's what today is about. It's all about your questions. So gang, we are passing along plants this morning on New Southern Garden. No, I'm not giving you giving away any plants, uh, but you can give away plants from your own landscape. There is a uh, wonderful uh, book by Steve Bender and Felder Rushing. I checked on my pronunciation during the break. This book is called Pass Along Plants and it is chock full of some of the plants we're talking about today. Now, of course. It's Q&A week, so we're answering a question from Kathleen here in Cleveland, Georgia, and she asks about, are there good plants? She particularly has a plant called Rose of Sharon, Althea hibiscus syriacus, if you're into the Latin names, but she has this plant that she's gotten from her mother, and she remembers how her mother and her mother's friends used to get together and pass along plants and give cuttings and seeds and do all those things. And so her question was, are there other plants that are great to pass along? And really, I say every plant... Uh, should be passed along. Any plant is potentially a pass-along plant. But there are three characteristics that we talked about. Of course, a, a real pass-along plant has to be beautiful, fragrant, have beautiful blossoms, some kind of attractive thing about it uh, in order that people should grow it. Number two, it should be easy to grow. shouldn't it be hard or, or very uh, difficult to uh, get it up and going. And number three, it needs to be easy to propagate. And of course, the word propagate means... It needs to multiply readily and be able to be reproduced uh, easily without much effort. Now some trees and shrubs, they're very difficult to propagate. Some plants are difficult to propagate with seeds. So a true pass-along plant, we've got to make sure that we can either grow it from a cutting in a glass of water, or just stick it in a pot of soil and let it go, Uh, or it's got to uh, uh, be able to be dug out of the ground like a bulb or something. And that's particularly what I wanted to share with you, Kathleen, where three lilies, even though they're not all commonly called lilies, they are in the lily family. Uh, the first one is crinum lily, and we already talked about it, and it's beautiful, uh, large, showy, lily-like blossom. It has strap-like foliage that is sort of a bright green, not a dark green, not a lime green, but very just bright and in-your-face green. But each petal on these flowers, well, particularly the one that we have at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, is called, it's called the candy stripe crinum lily. And the petals are white, but every petal has a stripe in the middle That is red, sort of pink. And so you get a candy stripe effect. And it does bloom in the full sun, disastrous conditions, dry conditions, no problem. Once it gets established, it takes over. Their roots are like bulbs, but they go very deep. They go very deep down into the soil. And to be honest, the reason I want to talk about this plant is because it is pretty much indestructible. If you wanted to have a landscape full of crinum lily, I can guarantee you they will never die. They will just continue to grow without any problems or really any help from you. And uh, the other factor about them is, uh, let's see. Well, they're indestructible. They can be easily passed along, right? So they clump and they make ton, a ton of bulbs. One plant will put out probably six more uh, next year, twelve more the next year, twenty four more the next year, and you will have a ton of bulbs to pass along. Now, the next uh, blooming lily that I want to talk about is tuber rose, Mexican tuber rose. That's one word, T-U-B-E-R-O-S-E, tuberose. So it's more like tuberose, but it sounds like tuberose. Now, they do have tubers, uh, like most all lilies do. They have a bulb under the ground. But this plant is very easy to, uh, to propagate. Just like the crinum lily, you can just take out one little slip, uh, get some root on the end of it, and it's a new plant. So great for pass-along plants. But here's the, here's the reason. Here's the reason we like it is because uh, right now, the ones at at Lanier Nursery and Gardens um, where you can find me throughout the week, those plants are just sending up their flower stalks. It's a tall stalk that hangs above the kind of grassy, lily-like foliage. And the one we have is a double white bloomer. So they're about to bust open with these star-like flowers that have gobs and gobs of petals. And when they open, they will be so fragrant that you'll want to rip your nose off because this plant here, the Mexican tuberose, this plant is one that they use the oils from to make perfume. So very fragrant, very sweet. I don't want to even call it a jasmine like fragrance. It is very sweet like jasmine, but it has its own unique fragrance and you can bring in one of those cuttings, one of those stems into the house and it will just fill up your room with that sweet perfume. Now, One of the reasons that crinum lily and tuberose are wonderful because they grow quick, they they, uh, get very thick and full, and you've got plenty of bulbs to dig out for your neighbors or your friends or your uh, church uh, group, whoever you're going to give to, but they actually bloom when they are in poor conditions, when they're compacted, I should say, when they are thick and just. Full of foliage, full of bu- uh, full of bulbs, they bloom the best. So that first year that you plant one of these plants, it may not bloom so well. But after about two to three years, when the the plant is just constricted, it can do great in a pot or container. To be constricted, those roots uh, usually roots are constricted in our clay soils, and the more constriction they get, the more they bloom. It's like just choking those roots forcing them to pop up flowers. (laughs) So, very easy to grow, and that makes it a wonderful pass-along plant. Now, the last lily that I want to talk about is, uh, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but it's called Naked Ladies. It is. It's called Naked Ladies. um, And, or, maybe a little more friendly term, is Resurrection Lily. Now, that group of lilies is called Lycoris, L-Y-C-O-R-I-S, Lycoris. And this group of lilies is very unique and interesting uh, it gets its name, Resurrection Lily, and Naked Lilies for one particular reason. In the spring, the leaves come out of the bulb and they hang around. And they're getting energy from the sun. They're putting energy and storage into their nu- uh, nutrition storage into their uh, bulb and sending it underground into that root system. And then the leaves disappear. Along uh, midsummer or so, they just disappear. You wouldn't even know they were there. But then, late in the summer, usually almost October, we could probably call it fall maybe, maybe November, Not well not quite as late as November, but later in the summer, early fall, these flower stalks shoot up out of the ground and almost in like overnight, because remember you didn't know they were there, the leaves were gone, but almost like overnight these stalks go straight up in the air, maybe up to two and three feet at the most I think, and then you've got this just an explosion of flowers, lily-like flowers. Usually they're in the pinks, they're in the whites, they're in the uh, not quite fuchsia, but red. I guess I should call it red. All different colors of these Lycoris, or Naked Ladies and Resurrection Lily. Of course, Naked Ladies gets that name because there's no foliage. It's just a flower. And then, of course, Resurrection Lily, because the leaves were there, they went away, but it's like it revived again, and it came back to life, and that's resurrection lily. Now, I'll say that this resurrection lily is very old. It's been used a lot, and people used to plant it at uh, grave sites. in resurrection lily, why not plant it at your loved one's grave? Uh, but that would be a plant that, of course, in the fall time, if you go out into some very old cemeteries, you may see resurrection uh, lily or naked ladies blooming near headstones, Uh, and at people's graves because it was the resurrection lily it makes sense but Kathleen we really thank you for your question of course your question is about pass along plants and I would encourage anybody to check out uh, Steve Bender and Felder Rushing's plant book called Pass Along Plants it's a beautiful book uh, with great descriptions great stories about these plants and there's all kinds from trees to shrubs to perennials Uh, annuals even, you name it. There are a bunch of things to look at. But pass some plants along, whether they're true pass-along plants or not. Give somebody a plant. Give them something blooming to encourage their life. Uh, I mean, to give them encouragement in their life. (laughs) Well, for New Southern Garden and WRWH 93.9 FM, this is Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and grow well. See you next time. Uh